All right. So, um, do I have any morning people in the crowd? Anybody's a morning person? All right. How, how many people hate the morning? You hate getting up. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I hate mornings. I'm not a morning person. I don't want to wake up. I don't like any time prior to, uh, I don't know, 10 a.m. I, I just don't like that block of time unless I'm still up the night before. But any time in that next morning, I don't, I don't like that time. Furthermore, if you don't like mornings, you probably don't like morning people. So unfortunately, if I were to uh, be on a mission trip with some of you guys that raised your hand because you love mornings or something, um, I would not like to be your roommate. I love you, but I just wouldn't like hanging out with you in the morning because this is what I want to do when I get up. I kind of want to get up and kind of take a few minutes, open my eyes, stretch, kind of go through about an hour of my day before I talk to anybody. I, I, that's that's kind of how I want to do. So I just don't, I don't want to deal with anybody unless I've been out for about an hour. And, uh, and I just hate mornings. And so as you can imagine, uh, school was difficult for me because we have to wake up early, right? And uh, especially in high school, you have to wake up even earlier. I know Fletcher and the middle schools, all the middle schools, y'all, y'all except for private schools, all the public schools, you get, what is it, like 9.30 or something? Huh? No, middle schools. 9.30. So middle schoolers stay, get to sleep a little bit later. High school's got to get up real early. So when I came here... Um, it was funny, in, my, in Tampa, I went to this school uh, that was on split session, and we don't really have that here, but um, we had so many people at the school that we couldn't all fit in the school at once. So what they did, and, and the freshman class was the biggest, they did uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders went to school from 6.30 a.m. First bell ran at, rang at 6.30, so people got to their bus stop at like 4.45. It was crazy. And then they were out at 12.30. And the freshmen would get there at 11.30. We'd start our day at 11.30. We'd be done at 5.30. And so a little, a little bit of a shortened day, and that's how it was. So my freshman year was like awesome. I'd get up. I'd just be able to relax. I'd go out to the bus stop at like 10.45, and I'd just be, uh, be, be fresh and ready to go. And my grades were great. I didn't sleep through class. But then I moved to, to Jacksonville, and, and we had to be uh, at school starting at 7.15. And so um, as you can imagine, I, I hate the mornings. Basically, I'd get up like at... I don't know, 6.45, 6.50, I'd put on clothes, I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't do anything, I wouldn't even look at myself, I wouldn't brush my teeth, and I would just go to school, and, uh, and I would drive there, I'd get out, I'd run into school, and I'd barely get there at 7.15, and then uh, in my senior year, I had just kind of given up on school and, and just quit altogether, um, not that you should do that, I still got good grades, I'm just saying I wasn't giving my best to it, which is not good, that's not a biblical thing, but that's what I did, so my senior year, I had anatomy and physiology first with Mr. Wood, and Mr. Wood's a, a great teacher, nothing against him, but, but, but it, oh, 7.15 for class is just, it's brutal, and I don't want to deal with it, and so you know you have some of those teachers that are like, they're like, I had, uh, I had a, a history teacher that would come up and smack my desk if I fell asleep and scare the you know what out of me and it was like oh my gosh I can never fall asleep so I would do this thing and I'd be like and I'd try to wake myself up and I'd slap myself in the face I'd ask to go to the bathroom so I could wash my my face with water but Mr. Wood uh, bless his soul he was one of those people that let us fall asleep in class beautiful beautiful thing he really didn't care if we were awake in class and I I think that's that's really how college is so when you get to college they're not going to care whether you're there or not or whether you fall asleep or not because it's your money you're spending to fail so they're just going to let you be adults and let you figure out your own thing but in high school they wake you up so uh, but but Mr. Wood did not wake me up and I was I was very thankful for that so what I would do is I'd wake up for a for a time basically just to drive although sometimes I'd get to school and I'd be like how did I get here I don't really anybody do that you like drive and you're like oh my gosh I'm here and I'm alive, but um, somehow you're just not paying attention that you're in a 60 mile per hour, one ton thing that could just kill you or anybody around you. But, um, but you just, so I'd get there and I'd be like, okay, 
uh, school time. So I'd walk in, get there right at the bell, and I'd go to sleep. Right away, I'd go to sleep. I, by, the, by, by about a week into school, I just quit trying to even stay awake. I would literally go in, and, and God created this amazing thing. Right here, you see this? The inside of your elbow is the greatest memory foam pillow in the history of mankind. You know because, you know, your nose fits in the crease, right? God is an amazing God because he's created some, look at this. My nose goes in the crease, and then I got like a little bit of padding here and here, right? And then that goes into the eyes, and it's like memory foam. It just fills it up, and it's just like glorious. So I'd, I'd kind of get in that little notch, and I'd just go to sleep. And uh, I would sleep through everything. Um, but I had a deal. I had a lab partner. Her name was Aubin. She was a friend of mine, and, and we had a little deal. Here was the deal. I slept. She took notes. Okay? I slept, she took notes, and she was the valedictorian, so it was a pretty good little deal. So I slept, she took notes, and she gave them to me. But the, my part of the deal, my, my thing, was that she could not even get close to dead animals. She couldn't do dissections whatsoever. So the deal was, I sleep, she gives me my notes, and those like three times a year that we do dissections, I would do the dissection. So I'd cut open the cat and be like, ah, that squirted somewhere, and oh, that was nasty. And she'd be like, way back here, like, I don't even want to look at it about to faint. And so that was our deal. So, uh, so most days she was on the losing end of the deal and I was on the winning deal. So I, I would go to sleep and most of the time I would sleep through the bell. She would, she would have to shake me awake and be like, Ryan, you should probably go to your second class. And I'd wake up and no one was in the classroom. The bell had already rang and I'd have to like, like, like stumble my way through the hall to get down to my next class um, because I was that out of it. And, and you know when you wake up, there's a couple things. It's very hard to focus. Like you don't know what's going on, you forgot what's going on, you get in this deep sleep and, and you just lose focus out of everything. Your, your eyes are all like, you got the black dots because you've been just like eyes against your, your arm and you're like, oh gosh, what's going on? Okay, I'm at school, where do I need to go next? And you're just out of focus, you can't see that well. And the light, the light is so bright because you got this darkness and you're in this dark little space right here, but, um, but, but then the light and the, that, those bright, nasty lights um, you, you just you wake up and they're just shining in your eyes and you can't stand it. And, and you have this change from darkness to light. We've experienced it when we go to the movies. We go to the movies and we're in the darkness. And then we walk out and it's bright outside and we can hardly see anything because it's just too much for us. So we have trouble focusing in this. We have trouble seeing this bright light after being in darkness. And this is kind of the problem that we have as human beings when, when it comes to following Jesus. You see, we have, we have the world that we see every day and then we have God's glory. And a lot of times, when we look at God's glory, whether it's through, through church, whether it's through worship, prayer, reading scripture, it's, it's very hard to take in. We might call it boring or, or whatever, whatever we might call it. I just don't get it. But really, the, the overall thing is that we just can't stand the shift from the world to God. His glory and the ways of God are just too much for us sometimes. So, so we get in this mode of just looking at the world and seeing um, kind of being just asleep to God, looking at the darkness of the world and seeing these small little lights. And then all of a sudden we come out and we see the sun, the bright light of God's glory. And it's just a hard transition. We have trouble, um, we have trouble tran transitioning from one to the other. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about focus. Um, and we're going to look at Hebrews. So it's at the end of the Bible. If you have your Bible, if you brought your Bible, that's awesome. We want you guys to bring your own Bibles each week. But you can also use ours, Hebrews, we're near the back of the Bible, Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to look at a couple verses there. 
1 through 3. Chapters 1, or verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So first, uh, first it's saying, um, it, the, the, the previous chapter was talking about all the great uh, people in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the disciples, the people that followed after, after God and had faith in God. And so it says, therefore, we are surrounded by these people. We're surrounded by these witnesses. We are to throw off everything that hinders and entangles, the sin that entangles. Um, so, as you know, in the, like the early Olympic Games and in the Colosseum and all of, all of that, when they'd have gladiatorial games, most of the time, they were not wearing, the gladi- gladiators wore, wore armor, but a lot of the athletes went naked. They didn't have dry fit, they didn't have uh, all, all the stuff we have right now, they didn't have spandex, they didn't have Nike and Adidas and Under Armour, so they, the best thing for them to run a race or, or to do some kind of athletic event was to just go naked because a robe wouldn't really work with trying to run full speed and that's what they wore day to day. And so, they, so they'd compete naked and, and, and that's kind of what he's pointing to here. Is he's, he's saying, why would you wear a robe that entangles you, entangles your feet, gets you caught up? Why would you, why would you do something that hinders you? We're running this race towards Christ and we need to get rid of these things that hinder us, the sin that so easily entangles. We need to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So he says, how do we do that? Well, this is how we do it in verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. You can underline that in the Bible if you want. You can write it down on your oats. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when we talked about worship. We're supposed to aim the arrows of our worship towards Jesus alone. He's the only one that can stand up to the weight of our worship. So fix our eyes on Jesus. If we want to run this race, if we want to follow God We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Another way you could say it is focus your eyes on Jesus. Focus, let us focus our eyes on Jesus. The author, that means the beginner, and the perfecter, that means the end of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Why did he do it? He did it for the joy. We'll get back to that. Scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And it talks about how he he endured such opposition from sinful men. And we should look at him so we will not grow weary and lose heart. A lot of times in life, we just have hard things happen to us, right? Life is not easy. I, I, I read prayer requests every week um, from you guys, ones that say, you know, grandparents are sick and dying, ones that other family members are sick or have died, lost jobs, um, not being accepted, losing friends, being in fights, breakups, um, moms and dads losing jobs, divorce. We have all these things that go on in our lives. It is not easy. It is very difficult. Life is not easy. The only way we can endure, that this, uh, which this, this scripture, scripture, even written 2,000 years ago, addresses our situations today. He says, this life is hard. The only way you can endure is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus your eyes on Jesus. And consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary from the hard things in life. You will not lose heart 
from the hard things of life. This word consider in the original Greek um, kind of like pointed to uh, what they would, it was the word that they would use when a jeweler would look at a jewel. And so if you've ever seen like a movie or you've gone to like uh, buy like some kind of uh, expensive uh, ring or, or necklace or, or, or earrings or something, um, if you've ever sold diamonds or something like that, you might go in and the jeweler will take out one of those little, I don't know what they're called, but those little magnifying glasses. And, and they'll take it out because they don't just look at a diamond and say, okay, you know, I'll give you a thousand bucks for it. They, they, they consider it. They look into it. They, they really concentrate. And so they'll take out this magnifying glass and they'll just stare at it. They'll look at how clear it is. They'll look at the different cuts on it. They'll look if there's any imperfections. Why do they do this? Because uh, they need to know how valuable it is. It's very important. So they spend time looking at it. They don't just give it a quick glance and look away. They focus on it. And so that's the word that, that he's using here, that the writer's using, <clears throat> is to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Now we live in a world that's ADD. It's hard to consider anything. It's hard to really look deep at anything because we always have something going on. I, I, there have been many times, and I know that you guys are the same because I, I hang out with you guys. There's many times where I have sat down and watched a game on TV while having a laptop in my lap looking at something on the internet while listening to a podcast because the TV's on mute. I'm listening to a podcast and, um, and I'm having a conversation with somebody at the same time and I'm doing all these different things. Why? Because we just get so distracted. And, and a lot of times we want to be distracted. We want to just concentrate on everything at once. And really what ends up happening is we concentrate on nothing. And, and many times we don't consider anything. We don't do that, 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 that word that the writer here in Hebrews talks about, it, considering Jesus. Most of the time we just look at Jesus like, okay, now I'm going back to my week. Okay, I'll look at you at United, going back to my week. Look at you at Life Groups, going back to my week. Look at you at Big Church on Sunday morning, going back to my week. Maybe I'll pray for a second, then I'm going back to my week. We just give them these glances. We live in this multitasking, um, this multitasking world, this ADD world. We don't focus on anything. Flip over to 2 Corinthians 3.18. A couple books back. 2 Corinthians 3.18. <clears throat> we get something else that, that, that kind of goes right along with that Hebrews 12 verse about considering him, considering Jesus, so that we might not grow weary, might not lose heart. So this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It's talking about how Moses had the veil across his face. We talked about that at the beginning of this series. And then he says, and we, that means us Christians, who with unveiled faces all reflect, that means there's nothing getting in the way of us and God. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the, the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now that word, um, that word reflect um, can also, if, if you look down at the bottom of your page in some of your Bibles, it'll say it could also mean contemplate, same word. And, and what it says is, we are to all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Another word, um, basically the same meaning of that word contemplate is behold. It's to behold God. So that's the first point in your notes is behold God. Behold God. You can write that down if you'd like to. Behold God. And we who with unveiled faces all behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what is beholding? I'll show you the difference between looking at something and beholding something. We look at a light, like Christmas lights. We can look at lights up there, and we can just kind of look at them. It doesn't hurt our eyes. Nothing happens. Yeah, they, 
nice cold, that was cool, um, they kind of flash on and off, and, we can, and they don't hurt our eyes, they're no big deal, even if you woke up fresh and you just saw that, it, it wouldn't really hurt your eyes, it's, it's, so, it, it's, it's so basic and so dim, but we behold a, sun's, a sunrise, right? We behold a sunrise. I know some people, and again, I'm not a morning person, so I don't ever see the sunrise, but I know some crazy people who get up before the sun gets up, and they purposefully, like on purpose, they don't have to work, on purpose they go to the beach and get sandy and nasty when they're supposed to still be in bed asleep, right? It's crazy, but they do that, and they'll go out there, and they'll watch the sunrise. You don't just glance at a sunrise. You have to behold a sunrise. You watch as it goes from black to gray, and the orange and the purple and the blues and the reds all start, all start shining everywhere, and it's beautiful. The sun starts to come up. We behold a sunrise. We behold a sunset. We don't just glance at it. You, you, you concentrate on it. You focus on it. You purposefully look at it. It is beautiful. There's more to it than just a simple light. And, and when the sun continues to rise, it, it is so bright that we can't even look at it anymore. That's the difference between looking and beholding. And so what this verse, what the writer here says is, we are to behold the Lord's glory. Remember, this whole series is about God's glory. So behold God. Uh, a theologian named uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, our eyes will not go upward to the Lord of themselves. Basically, that's saying to God. Our, our eyes will not go upward to God, but they incline to look downward or anywhere or, or inward within ourselves or anywhere but to the Lord. So our eyes will not go to, the, to God naturally is what he's saying, but they more naturally will look down look around at the world, we'll look inside of ourselves, maybe we can do something. A lot of times we look anywhere but to God. The scripture repeatedly all over and over and over tells us to behold God's glory. So what happens when we behold? Look at the next part of this verse. It says, what happens when you, when you behold God's glory, you are being transformed into his likeness. Everybody say transformed. Transform. We think, uh, we think transformation is so awesome. We watch movies about transformation. We watch reality TV shows about transformation. We love transformation as humans. And what the writer says here is, if we behold the Lord's glory, we'll be transformed into his likeness. Here's the second point. Beholding is becoming. Beholding is becoming. We will become like God when we behold God. It's a very simple equation. We become like God when we behold his glory. It says we are transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. In other translations, it says from glory to glory. What that means is that it doesn't happen all at once. A lot of times what we want is we want to become a Christian and say, Woo! I'm good now. My life is good. I'm perfect. Everything's great. I made money. I got a new car. I got a new wife. Everything's good. My problems are gone. Everything is amazing because I'm a Christian. Well, I'm just perfect now. I don't have sin. I don't have problems. I am good because I'm a Christian. That's what we want to say. That's not the truth. Now, some people will tell you that's the truth, but they're telling you, they're selling you a false gospel. They're selling you basically a lie. That, that's not the truth. We don't automatically become perfect. We don't automatically become like God. But from glory to glory, that means slowly but surely, we become like God. We are transformed when we behold him. Now, sometimes looking at God, or, or looking, let's go back to the movie example. You come out of the movie. It is painful to see the light. It's painful to see um, the light in front of us, and we, and we can't concentrate on anything because it just hurts our eyes. 
Sometimes looking at something new, looking at something bright, um, looking at something different can be a little awkward. We're not used to it. It can even hurt. Sometimes it can hurt to go from the glory of the world to all of a sudden the glory of God. That's why sometimes, uh, you know, on retreats or on, on really emotional Sundays, you'll see people that are, that are just torn up inside because they've gone from looking at the world to experiencing God. And it's not that they feel condemned. It's that, that they realize there's so much more to life. And so this is kind of like a diet, right? A diet, um, basically what you do when you diet is you're choosing to be miserable for a little bit so that you can be happy later. That's what you're doing. You're trying, uh, I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to eat what I don't want to eat, I'm not going to eat what I want to eat, and I'm going to do all that so that in two months, I'm going to be looking good, right? That's what we do when we go on a diet. And it's difficult, but we're looking towards a greater joy. Remember that verse um, in, uh, in, in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it said, for the joy set before Jesus, he went to the cross. What was the joy? The joy was saving us. The joy was relationship with us. And so, so just like a diet, is, it, sometimes beholding God is, is a little bit frustrating at first, but it's going to bring about a greater glory, a greater joy in our life. And, and, and sometimes we have... Um, Sometimes we get really overly religious, and if you go back to the diet example, we get overly religious, and we just say, uh, religious people just say, well, you know what, I'm just going to make, uh, make myself miserable just to make myself miserable. No reason. I'm just going to do what I don't want to do. I'm going to live how I don't want to live. Um, I'm going to obey all these rules just because I'm supposed to. And there's no end game. There's no reason. They're just making themselves miserable. And then the people that you would call worldly or secular, what they say is, I'm not going to deny myself anything. I'm going to do whatever I want whenever I want. I'm not going to worry about the future. I'm not going to worry about who I hurt. I'm just going to keep on giving, giving, giving to myself. I'm going to live how I want. And neither way is the right way. The right way is to live for God, to behold God, to do the thing that is difficult now for a greater glory later. If you flip back to Hebrews, we're going to look at the last scripture we're going to look at. It's in Hebrews 12 again. Hebrews 12 again, and it's uh, verse 11 through 13. We're fast forwarding just a little bit in that chapter. And it talks a little bit about the pain of beholding, the pain of living for Christ, because it's not easy. A lot of people try to sell it as some easy thing. It's not easy. Listen to what it says. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Remember the diet. A diet doesn't seem pleasant at the time. It seems painful. But later on, it brings about something greater. So no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. That's the goal for us. When we behold, we become. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. There is healing and there is life. When for a moment we experience something that's a little bit harder for a greater glory. When we behold so that we can become. And so there's a few practical ways, and the band can go ahead and come back up. There's a few practical ways um, that we do this. Uh, and these are, not, these are not self-help things. I'm not giving you these because um, I, I'm trying to just, just make you into better little moral uh, boys and girls that just live our lives in a, in a better way. These are ways um, that we can behold God. Now, they are not ways that save us. That would be a legalistic look that's saying, if I'm better, then, then I'll be saved. No, 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 that's not, that's not what, we're, what we're doing here. 
We're looking at things that will help us behold God and his glory. And they're not things, they're not earth shattering. I'm not, I didn't come up, I didn't invent some new discipline. It's just going to make everything better. But these are just ways we can focus on God and his glory. The first way is, is scripture. We read scripture. Now a lot of times we read it and we say, this is boring. Or we say, I don't get it. Remember that the first time we behold something, the first time that we look at a greater glory, it hurts our eyes. When you walk out of a movie theater, you wake up, the light hurts your eyes. Sometimes it's the same with scripture. We look at it and we just don't get it. Because there's a time for a time that we need to behold God. To continually look at his scripture and allow it to just kind of marinate on us. To just kind of continue to change us from the inside out. And if we allow it to do that, it'll start, we'll start to experience the joy and the transformation that the Bible talks about. Another way is prayer. It's another thing that, um, that at first feels hard. I can't, I can't pray for, I can't even pray for 30 seconds. Like, I don't know what to say. Sometimes we just have to slowly get used to something. Remember, beholding God is not, not the easiest thing. But when we behold, we will slowly become, we are transformed slowly from glory to glory, as it says in Corinthians. So prayer becomes easier. Prayer becomes more natural. All of a sudden, we're spending 30 minutes with God, and we're just talking to him. We're listening for what he has to say. It's just like a, relation, a relationship or a conversation between you and someone else. It just starts to come more naturally as you get to know your friend. At first, you can hardly talk to someone. You're like, it's so awkward. You go on a first date, or you hang out with someone for the first time. You have no, no idea what to say. But as you get to know them, all of a sudden, you could spend three hours, and you look down at the clock. You're like, oh my gosh, it's you know, it's, it's one o'clock. We've just been talking for three hours. We can't, it, we, it's just so easy. Because over time, we get to know the person. It's the same thing with God. The third way is meditation and music. This is, this is, in, this is seeing the things that God has created. And instead of praising them, we praise the creator. It's, it's, like, it's like if we, sometimes we just praise like the sunbeams of the sun. The, the things that are, that are put into light because of the sun. Instead of praising the sun. It's the same thing with, with God. Sometimes we, we look at these created things and we don't think to think back to the one who created them in the first place. And, and so meditation is a way we can do this. This is, this is a way that maybe you guys, maybe this is new to you because you guys have never done it. It is very possible for you to go out and watch a sunrise, for you to sit alone on a beach and to just focus on God, to think about who he is, to think about what he's done. It's possible to go hiking and get up to the top of a mountain. I know we don't have mountains here, but if you ever go somewhere else, you can get to the top of a mountain, you can just behold creation. And instead of just praising the, the world, we, we praise the one who created the world. We start to think, wow, what a God. What a God that would, that would create this massive mountain like this. What a God that would create the, the waves that come in and the, 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 the animals and the organisms in the ocean. What a God that would create sun, uh, sunlight and create storms and create... Um, these massive waves and these massive thunderstorms. Like, what, what a God. What, how creative he is. How amazing he is. And all of a sudden, we go from just looking at something to praising God, to appreciating God, to beholding God. So meditation, that's what meditation is. Or, or listening to worship music. We just behold God. We think about God. We listen to lyrics. And maybe scripture and prayer is a little bit harder for you, and maybe meditation and music is something you can you can spend a little bit more time doing, beholding God in his glory. Two more things. One is, uh, the first is community and corporate worship. That's why we do life groups. In life groups, we have the chance to behold God together. 
with people that are our age, our gender, with leaders who love us, and we behold God together. We talk about what's going on in our lives. We talk about what's going on in the world around us. We appreciate God together. We praise God together. We pray to God together. We discuss God together. We behold God in his glory. When we come here to corporate worship on, on Sunday nights at United, the reason why we do this every week is because we want to behold God together. There's nothing greater than beholding God with other believers. The Bible says do not give up um, the, the habit of meeting together. And a lot of times we say, ah, oh, you know, I'll go to church once a month. Look at all you're missing out on. You're missing out on opportunities to come alongside hundreds of other students, hundreds of other uh, Christians, and behold God in his glory. It's just a missed opportunity. It doesn't mean you're a worse Christian. It doesn't mean that you're, you're going to hell all of a sudden because that's, that, that's not what saves us. Jesus saves us. But it's just an opportunity to focus on God, to behold God, to behold his glory. Here's the last way, and you, you may not have ever thought of it this way, but obedience. Obedience is a way that we can focus on God. Because here's what happened. God gives us rules. God does not give us rules just so that we are miserable. He gives us rules to protect us. Why does a parent tell their kid not to touch the stove? Because it's hot. Because it'll burn them. Because it'll hurt them. They do not know. So the parent puts in place a rule, do not touch this. And what happens when we trust our parents on that? As we grow older, we, we start to see, wow, they protected me. Look how much they love me to protect me. Or, or, or look how much they love me to not give me what I wanted at the moment. You know, I wanted something like crazy when I was 12, and now that I'm, you know, you know, I'm 16, I look back and I thank God that they did not give it to me. They put a guideline in, and because I obeyed it, I was protected. That's what, that's what God does with his rules. He, 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 he gives us things to protect us. And so when we obey God's commandments, when we obey the ways of God, what starts to happen is, is we start to see that God is good, that God loves us, that God has something greater for us than the world. As we're obeying, we, we begin to behold God. Wow, look at that rule he made. Look at how much thought he had for me to protect me from this pit, to protect me from this trap of the world. So scripture, prayer, meditation, community, worship, obedience, these are all ways we can focus on and behold God in his glory. And as we talked about, beholding is becoming. And it works both ways. If you start to behold the world, you're going to become like the world. If you start to behold your friend or your boyfriend or girlfriend or, or some role model that, that, that shouldn't be um, at the top of, your, at the top of your, like, your, your mountain of what you look up towards, if you start to behold that or that person or that thing, you're starting to start to become it. And all of a sudden, you're going to look around and be like, where's Jesus? Well, he's back there when you stopped beholding him. He's still here, but you walk so far away from him that all of a sudden you're in this place that you didn't expect to be because you became what you beheld. So beholding God is becoming like God. Here's how we're going to close. Um, we're going to close the same way we've closed uh, every week in this series. We're going to give an opportunity um, for people to come to know Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And some people in this room, you've heard about God. You've been to church. Maybe you haven't been to church. You've seen Christians. You've heard rules. You've heard about Jesus. But for yourself, you have never beheld God. You have never focused your eyes on God. Focused your eyes on God through Jesus. Look at his glory. You've heard about it. 
You might have glanced at it, but you never beheld. So I'm going to just give you an opportunity um, to give your life over to Christ, to surrender your life to Christ, to behold Christ, and to start the road towards becoming like him, to change your eternity, to change your life. So what's going to happen is, um, so you know, uh, <clears throat> if you are someone that does that tonight, um, we're just going to uh, have you uh, raise your hands, and you're not going to do it yet, but what we're going to do is we're all going to bow our heads and close our eyes, and we're going to pray a prayer, and it's not the prayer that saves you. It's not my words that save you. It's believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confessing with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, that he is the son of God. So I'll pray a simple prayer. You pray it with me. And before we pray that prayer, um, you're just going to raise your hand. And and when you raise your hand, there's going to be a student that comes around after the prayer and they're just going to kind of grab your hand and take you to the back room. We just want to have a conversation with you, kind of talk to you, follow up with you. Because we don't, just, we don't exist just to have someone raise their hand anonymously and then leave and never see him again. We're here to walk with you, to behold God with you, to behold God together. That's why we do what we do. So again, with eyes, eyes bowed, or, or heads bowed and eyes closed, if you for the very first time want to give your life over to Christ, I want you to raise your hand. Don't do a little raise hand, raise your hand high. Raise your hand high. Leave it up. Raise your hand. Time you want to give your life over to Christ, and then pray this.